work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down. Welcome to the Post Sunday Blues, a preaching post mortem. We're back. Yes, I'm the I'm the person post morteming. My mm-hmm. husband Jim Anger, who's across the hall from me, across the table from me. <laughs> Do we podcast in different rooms now? Is this how we're, kind of fun. how we're doing it? Maybe we we could. You you do sometimes podcast on via Zoom. That's true. I could stop coming into your office and getting pleather on my legs. <laughs> oh, we should we should take a picture Let's of the pleather see. chair. I guess to, so. Yeah, to, to to accompany with the episode. Yeah, I like it. It's about a fifteen year old chair, which supposedly was leather. So maybe it's real leather, but uh, it's peeling. Um, and so every time I sit here, I um stand up and have remnants of leather pleather on my body why don't i sit in your chair because it's a rocker yeah that's another thing but um <laughs> actually yeah, i i i didn't read any blogs or listen to any of your other podcasts so i was gonna start my my question there's so many questions you there you are an intriguing person you know mm. um I was going to ask about the Phillies just as a softball to you. The, the, what is the origin story of your Phillies sports fandom? Just living in Philadelphia. Can you describe like what it was that convinced you to become a full-on, full-fledged... Right. Well, when we moved <laughs> to Philly, I, I didn't really have a strong attachment to it. I was a big baseball fan growing up, but New Orleans as you, I guess, may or may not know, does not have a baseball team. And so baseball fans in New Orleans would go different places for their for their fandom. I'm, I'm sorry to say that the first baseball team that I was ever a fan of was the New York Yankees, which was <laughs> pretty horrible. But this is before internet, before cable TV even. I just became a baseball fan by playing baseball, went to the library and checked out books about baseball, and the Yankees were pretty much the only team in the library. Mm-hmm. But I smacked myself out of that phase soon enough and then became a Pittsburgh Pirates fan because I have family ties to Pittsburgh. And in You're the wearing late Pittsburgh 80s, colors right now. I am, actually. In the late 80s, early 90s, the Pirates had an awesome team, but the Pirates are a small market baseball team. What's and wrong with that? Uh, what's wrong with that is they don't spend any money and they, they had this awesome team that they brought up through the minors, but then they decided to let them all go into free agency because they didn't want to pay any of them. And so the, to this day, the pirates are a depressing baseball team. They have one of the lowest payrolls in all of sports and a nice stadium that's mostly empty. So moving to Philly, I was unaffiliated in my baseball allegiance and they had, they were bad, but interesting bad. And they were, <laughs> there is the tagline, bad, but interesting bad. Yeah, that, that, that's pretty much as good as As opposed to bad and depressing bad, stories. which was what Pittsburgh was. Yes. So, but, that and, could define Pittsburgh versus Philly. And they had exciting young players. <laughs> wow. I do, I do like both cities. Yeah. 
Remember, I'm Eeyore. <laughs> look, look at Pittsburgh catching strays all of a sudden. We didn't know that. So, yeah, so Phillies, and they also had some young up-and-coming players in the minor leagues, and it was just an easy time to fall in love with Phillies baseball. And also, that's when Veteran Stadium was still around him. And so I think it was, oh, I forget the exact amount, but for the 700 level, the very, very top of the vet, you could get tickets for like five bucks, right? Not not just on secondary markets, uh-huh. but from <laughs> from from the box office. So it had a lot yeah. of good memories. Just driving into South Philly, and because the stadium was mostly empty, you start on the seven hundred uh-huh. level, but then you gotcha. just go up from there by going down. Yep. Yeah, so there it is, and I fun times, no regrets, no regrets. I I think two Saturdays ago the Phillies were playing. A night game and it went really late I texted a friend at Liberty Collingswood I stayed up for this whole game I'm going to be tired tomorrow morning when I preach and the sermon is going to be 12% worse as a result but it will oh, have been worth it this particular so, sermon 12% worse? I think two sermons ago Okay. yeah, yeah I could see that Yeah, I, but, <laughs> but realistically it only ended up being like 3 or 4% worse ah. <laughs> hashtag analytics <laughs> call it stormy Monday yes <laughs> Why this sermon this Sunday? So we are going through Genesis uh, still. And this yes, is you Genesis. mentioned the, like, why are we in Genesis 16? Because yes, <laughs> last week we were in Genesis 15. That's right. Yeah. But so some more context around that. I did announce this Sunday that I'm going to be taking a little COVID relief mini sabbatical granted by our denomination. COVID, COVID. Church in America in, in November. Everyone suffered. Why do you get a break? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm not looking at gifts sabbatical in the mouth, though. So True. And have been feeling run down. I think I'm feeling run down in part because sabbatical is getting closer and closer, and so it makes you more expectant and therefore more tired in the present. But for whatever it's worth, I was listening to a podcast about church leadership a week or two ago, and the pastor that was being interviewed Often church leadership podcasts are depressing just because the people that are interviewed have like these multi-thousand person churches. Right. <laughs> depressing to about, you. Not to yeah, other. Anyway. other people are encouraged so, by how, how the gospel spreading. Whatever. <laughs> so this this pastor said that, and he's somebody that gets around on the speaking circuit and that sort of thing, said that consensus among pastors and church leaders is that since COVID began, this summer and this fall have been the hardest seasons of leadership, which might be counterintuitive because there have been a lot of challenging, challenging seasons. And I think the reason he said that was now that COVID is re- receding at least somewhat, and I think I think that's fair to say. So, mm-hmm. so we feel COVID less this fall than we have the previous couple. But the reality is that that human beings in America are still, for the time being, less connective than mm-hmm. they used to be. Mm-hmm. And so there had been this hope that patterns of connectivity People and would, socializing right. would, would would bounce back. That That's not, it's just not the case. We're getting there. And so we're, we're pressing ahead in leadership Working on it. when mm-hmm. people are still still in a COVID funk in, in some ways. And then we've had less, you know. You know, maybe if I had a COVID sabbatical, <laughs> it would give me more energy <laughs> to do these things you're talking about. Yeah. Well, we, we're taking a trip ourselves during the sabbatical. 
true. Okay, that is true. Right. No, that is that is actually that. true. I'm I'm just I'm just grousing. So the and grousing <laughs> today. And then the flip side, uh, feeling run down as I came to this set of verses, and this can take us into Sun Studios, present to the Lord. I'm wondering, and this is a question that I try to ask myself periodically mm-hmm. over the years in ministry. Am I losing my? Have I lost some of my missional edge? Mm-hmm. Just trying that original to, question. Try, try, yeah, trying to keep the keep keep the lights on at church. Mm-hmm. Am I as focused on people outside of the church yeah. as I should be? And the natural connection point here was the story of Hagar, the outsider, and it was one of these passages where I I actually thought about soft pedaling a little bit more, huh. just because man, I don't really want to have to kick myself Address. in the pants and, uh-huh. and be more for the outsider than I am right now. But it's a, I just took yeah. a deep breath and said, let's jump in. I got to go where the verses are leading. Right. That's, that's the, that's the plan this, this time that around. That's plan. good. So you're moving into Sten Studios, the presence of the Lord, where you're talking about this particular Bible passage. Um, yeah. Not challenging at all. Yeah. Easy softball. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've had harder. <laughs> Come on. That's true. So, yeah. The, the, it's the, a, yeah, but it is a rough story. It is a rough story for sure. And kind of continuing the, it's not quite a one-to-one parallel, but in Genesis so far, we talk about how there are like main storyline passages related to God building out his covenant that he's made with Abraham. And then some of these side stories. And fairly typically, the main passages where God is making his covenant, show Abram and Sarai, I have to think more about this, but I think this is true, relatively faithful and in good spiritual hmm. places in relation to God. A lot of these side stories have right, the exact Abram and or Sarai behaving badly. Yeah. And this is what's happening here. Struck by the parallel, and I think I did mention this during the sermon, in Genesis 15, the previous chapter, and Sarai... Right, that Abram and Sarai are committing the same lack right. of faith. Yep. Exactly. Let, so let's do it my way. Yep. And and they end up taking, you know, different courses of action. But <laughs> Macbeth same thing. And Lady Macbeth. Right. Where they're they're not trusting uh, because they don't have an heir. They have because uh, Abram and Sarah together are infertile, and they're they're acting out trying to figure out how to do it in right. their way and and not in God's way. And being struck at a larger level, how themes of trusting in God and fighting against the insecurity that comes from not trusting in God. Mm -hmm. That's a set of themes that, and I've read Genesis plenty times, but going through it more closely in this sermon series, I've been struck by and have noticed these themes in a way that I haven't previously. Right. Um, Yeah, it's definitely there. Um, Actually, I like, I liked you bringing out the Abraham, um, Abram, I guess last week mm-hmm. the same that the same sin structure is there because it does it's not a feminist narrative it's a like it's a um that it's not just the male patriarchy um mm-hmm. attacking women like this is another where I, I don't know both of them are harming yeah. women in this case or harming an outsider um yes yeah, which is your there. central your central goal mm-hmm. um couple goals to be on the same page yes <laughs> <laughs> what nefarious plot should we be be um, hatching? Taking into our own hands. <laughs> the, we only have a few more days with the Germans. Oh, we, what, we, we have a couple days. Do? Okay. This is a sad story, yeah, though. Yeah, it and, is. And it is a rough one 
so Hagar is forced into being a surrogate parent for Abram's progeny, his his line, and this is a unseen, powerless woman that no need to varnish it is being treated very, very badly. Right, based sexual on, assault. Yeah, like, based on uh, power dynamics. Right, uh, slavery at, at, at play. So yeah, a really, really rough story. One of the intriguing upshots, despite the roughness of the story, though, is that, and because we're at least a little familiar with the story and modern contexts being what they are, it would have been all the more shocking in the ancient context because more closely, gods were associated with a single ethnicity or a single mm-hmm. nationality. And to a certain extent, that includes the God of Israel. And it's, right. it's always a both and. Yahweh is God of all things, maker of heaven and earth, but then has specifically aligned himself with Israel. Mm-hmm. Flip side of that coin in Genesis chapter 16, striking, probably even shocking a little bit to ancient readers, God aligns himself with neither Abram nor Sarai, but with Hagar, an Egyptian servant or slave. And this is this is the God of the outsider, very strikingly in this passage here. Right. And that became the central theme of what you were trying to preach. Yeah. Yep. And that that relates to us in a couple of different ways. But with presence of the Lord thinking about this this text, it's always striking to me how the angel of the Lord went far to find her in the wilderness this spring mm-hmm. on the way to to shore. So so God is not this is not a passive alignment right. with Hagar, but an active pursuit of Hagar. Mm-hmm. And we've talked in different points about how geography is important in this stage of Genesis. You have Abram, you have the God of Abram, Yahweh, effectively leaving the promised land, mm-hmm. even though he's God of all things. Right, to pursue. But to go into the wilderness to pursue Hagar, which to me makes an easy connection with Hebrews chapter 13, where the author there talks about how Jesus himself suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. So mm-hmm. that that impulse of God going outside is something that carries all the way forward to Jesus crucified and resurrected. So that was fun. One other thing from the passage, I didn't go into this as much simply for the sake of time. As we think about as modern readers, all of the bad things done to Hagar, it would be natural to ask the question where... Hagar is told to go and return to Abram and Sarai. Mm-hmm. Is, is is that fair? Right. Uh, why isn't she? Yeah. Why allowed to escape? Right. And that the best that I could do with an answer for that is in ancient cultures, including ancient Israel, we th- they thought a lot more generationally and longitudinally from generation to generation and less individually on that structure of how we think about how people are connected with one another, Hagar actually gets the proper vindication based on that generation to generation (laughs) understanding, namely because Hagar will have a line, Ishmael, and Ishmael, his line will be a continued continual troubler mm-hmm. to the line of Abram and Sarai, that's the sort of indication that ancient readers would have been looking for hmm. in a story like this. So, As opposed to the, the individualistic American right. yep. mentality. Of... Yeah. So, so there, is, there is a different set of framing that I think 
putting on that ancient frame hmm. makes this story make a little more sense at okay. the very least. And that so. does feel like muddying the waters a little bit, ah. where, you, where you discuss the the difficult issues with the text, um, right? The yeah. like the difficult the context of American perspective on these issues yep. um, versus um, versus the ancient culture ones. Um, yeah, you want to flesh out a little bit more about? I guess you yeah you just kind of addressed the initial response that someone might have about the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I kind of think I know what you would answer, but just for the listener, um, yep. what what about the just saying like but in the grand scheme of things Abraham is still rewarded and Abram's line is still the one that mm-hmm. is the predominant um winner winner like right. so like in the big picture scheme of things how does this address um how, what, how would you address that critique I don't that's a good question I don't have a super firm answer to that except to go back to one of the things that we were talking about a couple of weeks ago about the reality of grace mm-hmm. and Abram not and that deserving. is what I thought you would say. Oh, okay. So, and Abram <laughs> does not deserve everything that God does for him and, and, and God's line. So even though Abram seeks to be faithful at different points and we're called to be faithful with our whole lives before God, when we understand that God does eventually bless Abram and Sarai with Isaac and it's fair to say that Abram's line wins in some way, but that's not because Abram is a winner. It's because God is gracious. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, I, I that's what I, I think your whole, the whole point of the sermon was kind of getting at that. Yeah. And I just wanted to know. Yeah. Or wanted you to uh, press through, through to that. Um, yeah. Good question. That, that bigger picture um, outsider, insider thing, um, it does connect to what you're saying about how people are feeling about post-COVID. and. Yep. So the the Hagar representing the outsider and God representing the pursuit of the outsider. Yeah. Um, is this fun? <laughs> You're saying what is fun or difficult about constructing this sermon? So like, uh. do you like? Yeah, talk to me about about as you're approaching this this passage. It's hard, and you're saying that you're feeling conviction about it like what's going through your mind as you're actually writing writing this out are there parts of it that are fun (laughs) it's true that if people would see the post sunday blues preaching post-mortem script for muddying the waters there is a note that asks what was fun or difficult about constructing a sermon not every sermon is fun to construct and this was (laughs) not a fun sermon to construct, but it still felt important. And it is two sides of the coin. I think there's something deeply compelling for me to be able to preach from this text about a God that sees and is for the outsider, mm-hmm. which even in contemporary contexts, that is something that I think is important to a lot of people. I, I wanted to mention at this point, um, had, have you seen or read or heard about the Christian commercial campaign, He Gets Us. Have you, have you seen those ads? Um, no. Okay, I, so I, they're, they're, they're playing in a lot of sporting events right now. Uh, all the sporting events t- I've been watching. TV, TV ads, billboards, YouTube. So it, it's this really big push that is marketing Jesus. The tagline is, He Gets Us. He Gets All of Us. Mm-hmm. And for people that have negative views of Jesus, and especially the church and Christian behaviors, there's an advertising campaign that, comp- that commends Jesus as the one who gets us. What 
what creeps me out a little bit <laughs> about this. A lot bit. No, number one, there's a huge amount of money behind this mm, project. Mm-hmm. So Christianity plus money plus marketing always gives me the, yeah, the, yeah. the willies a little bit. The even better part um, is that the funders who's, who's bankrolling this campaign uh-huh. are secret. So we don't oh. even know who's behind mm. it. Mm-hmm. Is it is it you? Russia. Are, are you the Russian bots? He gets us. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we'll we'll have to put he gets us like transliterate that into the Russian. Oh no. Translate it to Russian. See what happens. Please so, I said that. E- even though I'm not necessarily a fan of the he gets us campaign for the reasons that I've just said. I get why they went in that direction mm-hmm. for the people that wanted to generate a campaign like this. Don't gloss over the fact that our God is a God of seeing. Hagar names the area where she was met by the angel, the well of the living one who sees me, mm-hmm. Beir Lahai Roy. And yeah, went into park there. And for people that were listening, watching online, in the room, accessing the sermon, via the podcast feed or the, or the, or our website like don't don't gloss over that and mm-hmm. i think it's fair to say that many times when people including i including me are feeling down in the dumps for one reason or another i would do well to remember that god sees me in that pain and yeah. in that suffering yeah so that's probably the that driver mind. for most people is to be seen and understood and heard um, Would you say that that's a driver for you? <laughs> I mean, I'm a robot. I don't. I, I don't have emotions. Gosh. So. <laughs> it has been said by Emily that that is one of her ground motives and life themes. But <laughs> who can say for sure? Not me. So that the in the flip side of the coin, I I did get this one of the commentaries that I've been reading. Going through generous, going through Genesis, makes the point about how God's passion for the outsider is a threat to the insider. So that's kind of the, what gave me the idea to structure the sermon. It was it was just a one sentence line in one of the commentaries, but I said, oh, that could actually be a fun way. Oh, that, that is fun. It's always fun to land on a sermon structure. So there we go. <laughs> to, to to think about this passage. and That was actually what I was looking for. I was looking for the like nerd response. Okay, and you just gave it. You so got it. It was a little late. It was but... in there somewhere. So yeah. God going outside makes insiders nervous. And, mm. and I think that's true. And I don't want to make this false equivalency it can be pressed too far to say like we're all outsiders in one way or another right. at, at one level we're all both outsiders and insiders that's in some true ways and too. fair but for it's for most it's Americans. not only bad optics for for me as a yeah. middle class white male to say we're all outsiders but it's all right right right, right. Is, sound, is sound, it sounds a little bit fishy so at one level we all have aspects of outsiderness at at different points, even though some outsiderness is a lot harder than others. Uh, flip side, we all have a little bit of an older brother syndrome. Uh-huh. When, the insider syndrome. Yeah, we don't mm-hmm. want, you know, welcoming outsiders, that means including these people. They mm-hmm. make me nervous. They make me angry. I misalign with them. I disagree with them. They mm-hmm. do things that I'm against. They do things that make me feel insecure, uncomfortable. Yeah. And we need to go in 
specifically those directions. God, God pushes us out. The flip side being, or I just said flip side twice. So another aspect of this being multidimensional. I, I, I really do think that grace is the great equalizer here <laughs> where at the end of the day, what is going to make us not feel superior to other people and not try to claim or grab superiority or privilege or leverage over others it's grace yeah. that says we're all broken, we're all loved, we're all broken. And in Jesus, uh, as we come to him by faith, we're, we're, we're graced and accepted and not on the basis of who we are, or what we've done, but on the basis of who Jesus is and, and what he's done for us. So right. even though life is super, super messy and weird, I, I probably shouldn't be a pastor if I didn't still believe that grace is the last best hope for the world yeah for sure good stuff um i think is that the close of mudding the waters uh, one other thing okay. just to double click on for sure. a second it, it was something that i did road test last week as i was writing the sermon you did what road test or oh, road workshop. test I, did, I just didn't hear you okay got it road test workshop this whole idea and part of my mentioning it to other people sometimes i'll i'll test out sermon ideas Mm -hmm. Even if I'm not telling other people that's what I'm doing, just to get their feedback. And every once in a while, I'll test out the sermon idea that way, and people will say, like, that doesn't make sense at all, mm -hmm. or that's not true. Uh, I'll tend not to include those. Like the one that you just asked me about before this before this recording. Oh, you'll have to listen to <laughs> that's the That's a teaser. In your sermon, in your the sermon next Sunday, if you're, if you're listening, there's a, my spoiler to you is that Jim asked me for permission to tell a story that I felt was incongruous with the point that he was trying to make, but he's welcome to use that story. Okay. <laughs> Which is why we have these preaching postmortems. This we'll, is a we'll, pre we'll preaching pre-mortem. <laughs> pre yeah, that's what it feels like right now. Challenge taken. So listen to the sermon and then also to the next TPSP to get Emily's <laughs> side of the story. That That, that is a nice te teaser right there. But the whole idea, one of the effects of pandemic is that our circle of outrage has grown, but our circle of care has shrunk. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I feel like that's true. Yeah, where, that's true. Where there's just a lot more... I don't have outrage there, anymore personally because I just like have given up it's so that it, yeah. it's, I just like everybody is terrible. One might say that a cousin <laughs> or a concomitant of circle of outrage is circle of resignation. Yeah, that's, and, that's where I am. Yeah, we can bounce, bounce between the two. But yeah, circle of outrage. There's so much more that we can and do get upset about and so many more people and people groups and ideas and ideologies. Right that we get really, really up in arms about. But the circle of care, those that we care for and will show up for, including in physical spaces, is smaller yeah. than, than it used to be, which like goes back to I only care the... about like half of our children. <laughs> At any given it's time. It's a different yeah, half yeah, every time. Yeah, maybe maybe it, sometimes one. It's a, <laughs> None. It's a sad whack-a-mole situation over here. Right. I wish I had a baby. Which, which calls back to, well, you'll have to talk to some other people about that. I got nothing for you. The, uh, going back earlier to this pastor saying that this might be the most difficult season so far because people are less connective. We're still working out the effects of that. And right. one of the things that I think coming under 
the discipleship of Jesus, being a learner of Jesus, is that grace does both things. It makes our circles of outrage shrink. Who are we to be so maddening? Like, even if we disagree about Mm -hmm. stuff and have positions politically and otherwise, who are we to just be so incredibly outraged all the time and demonize all of these other people? Mm -hmm. Grace shrinks that circle, but then expands our circle of care. Right. Good stuff, dude. I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) Barman cover tunes. I felt like you didn't have, you didn't have enough funny, funny, funny um, quotes. You had like uh, random literary quotes. Yeah. Boring. Tim Keller. Boring. Quoted all the time. Boring. Some guy named Lovelace. Loveless. Loveless. That's a cool name. Anger and Loveless. Lucy Loveless. Richard Loveless. (laughs) Um, But so quotes, you want to tease any of those out? In particular, a couple of sociologist nerds uh-huh. talking about how I like surprise, the... surprise, social media. Yeah, I liked that quote. The social media, <laughs> oh, okay. the social media distorts us. Quote. Yes, we are distorted by by social media, and and there's a ton of. It, I think it's helpful to name a study like this, but it's not sure. just one. But there's tons of research out there, and there. So yeah, I'll I'll read the quote real quick. So. Ideally, people think that, hey, social media and connecting online connects us with new people, new ideas, but instead, I don't know how to pronounce this, actually. I I made a mental note to look up the pronunciation here. I realized in real time when I was reading it on Sunday morning that I had forgotten. So H-O-M-O-P-H-I-L-Y, homophily, homophily, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. So a tendency to listen to and associate with people like yourself and exclude outsiders. That's what social networks tend to do they diminish our empathy and it reinforces instead of challenges our biases and sociologists have also sharpened their research does rubbing elbows with people different from us make us more accepting of difference or less accepting Mm -hmm. and there's a ton of research out there that says if it's online Rubbing elbows with people online pushes us in further into our corners, but if it's face to face, it's the opposite. Right, right, right. Like that. Like at Liberty Collingswood, I think even there are people who have different perspectives yeah, about, about um about yeah about everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the the act of being in a home meeting or being friends with or having yeah. your kids play together um, connects you in a way that if you're solely on social media or if you're on social media posting really um extremist perspectives wacky stuff yeah or are, you're on social media only posting the fluffy happy stuff and um therefore appearing to be someone who just has it all together or, yeah, yeah um Best life all of those things can world on fire be negative although i will always caveat that i've i've made great friends over social media too so yep there's yeah. the there's the contrast where we all i always feel the like of making sure we're not just old people who are snuffing out the next generation right i i feel that too at our consistory meeting on on thursday night we were talking about this a little bit that's our meeting of elders and deacons periodically we've invited our staff members to consistory Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just to make sure that staff and consistory are on the same page or there's there's Mm -hmm. no problems there but hey we want our consistory to be cheerleaders of our staff and our staff to be cheerleaders for our consistory Pat McAdams, our digital ministry director. Oh, were they criticized? Were they asked? Yeah. No, they're, they're, there was no criticism, but Pat and I both said, and it was just, hey, Pat, tell our elders and deacons, what do you do? What are you celebrating? How can we pray for you? Uh-huh. And so just a super encouraging conversation. 
in, funnily enough, both Pat and I said we have mixed feelings about social media. Yeah, yeah. Even though You're... I was the one that spearheaded, hey, we need to hire a, somebody yeah. for, for digital ministry. And then mm -hmm. our digital ministry director himself says, yeah, there are definitely pros and cons mm -hmm, <laughs> to, mm -hmm. to what we're doing. But all that is to say it's not just cons. Right. When it when it comes when when it comes to that stuff, I, I was listening to a podcast recently. I mean, we're on a podcast. We're talking to a pod, on a podcast, <laughs> exactly. which is another digital yep. media physician issue. heal heal thyself. There there's a growing trend. Just just so just to make sure that there is a little bit of old man shouting at cloud and me. There there's apparently a growing trend, and I've heard this from a couple different pastors of when they officiate weddings. There are people, the groom or the bride, they're meeting in person members of their groom or bridal party for the first time at the wedding. Right. Be because right, they've only right, connected right, 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 on right. Mm -hmm. social media. Right. Or gaming. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Or gaming. Yeah. And so it's the wedding itself where these pastors say, only, only very recently have yeah. a groomsman met in person yeah a group and the young person that me pushing against that is that they're genuine friendships like that's actually proof of the opposite of what you're saying where these friendships that were developed online like are so meaningful mm -hmm. that that they are that they're the groomsmen because they are the most valuable people even if they weren't ever meeting in person you have sunk my battleship <laughs> i mean i, I like a, yeah a in my previous say. yeah I have listened to people who talk very, very deep, deeply and passionately about those friendships. So I, yes. I don't actually doubt those. Mm -hmm. um, to me, that's actually the benefit. The The negative is if you're like sitting and watching TikToks for hours and hours and like not connecting deeper. Yep. Um, you're only letting it be the, the surface shallow part. Or if you're like buying in social, yeah. like Instagram, social media um the like buying into the beauty trends or whatever. Multiple things um, can be true. But I think deeper friendships are great. I'm not disagreeing. And I'm in favor of deeper <laughs> friendships. Even if developed online. <laughs> even if you don't meet personal like face to face in person. Okay, let's keep going. So we 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 did we did have Tim Keller. Sorry, I can't avoid <laughs> quoting him all altogether. And also Richard Loveless was one of the mentors uh formative for Keller. I, I'm not sure if it was a personal mentor, but he talks a ton, Keller does, about Richard Lovelace's dynamics of, I think it's dynamics of spiritual life, dynamics of spiritual change or something. And I can't, I, I got this Lovelace quote from it being quoted in Tim Keller's Center Church. So it is what it is. And then also Hebrews, I, I was intrigued and oh man, there's a lot of Keller here. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. That is a classic Tim Keller pool right there. So in a lot mm, of his writings, that Jesus sermons, also suffered. Right. Yeah, Jesus became the outsider for right, us. Right, he's, right, right. He's he's used that a lot over the years. But when I went back to this passage for the sermon this past week, it I had forgotten or it was diminished in my mind where the author of Hebrew, Hebrews goes directly after that. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach that he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. The upshot of the author of Hebrews saying Jesus suffered outside the gate 
is that the followers of Jesus are told, you also go outside the gate, follow Jesus there, and live sacrificially and missionally in those same spaces that Jesus has gone before on our behalf. So that that, that part was new to me, and I was like, oh, I, I'm able not only to quote Jesus going outside as the angel does with Hagar, but continue to use the insider-outsider dynamics it's actually there in Hebrews chapter 13. So that was cool. <laughs> Good stuff. Let's move on. <laughs> Moving on, last, uh, almost last part. Yep. Guitar Slim Pickens, leftovers, anything you wish? A late addition to the sermon was the Moby Dick reference towards, oh my gosh. towards the <laughs> I forgot about that one. <laughs> like that is, is Liberty Collingswood, Moby Dick to my Captain Have Ahab. you read Moby Dick? No, it's, I've been intrigued to start it yeah. though. I, I generally don't like old books. You can go back and listen to The Five Golden Things with, with even, Tony. And yeah. old, it is an old big book. I like big books. I don't like old big books. Moby Dick is an old big big book. But there are plenty of readers that I respect deeply that have really enjoyed Moby Dick over the years. But I just wanted to, number one, point out that reference that I made because I think it's fun. And then also say, by likening myself to Captain Ahab, I don't believe that I'm losing my mind <laughs> and, and, and and also i am In not trying i'm a... not trying to pursue liberty church collingswood to the point of killing it <laughs> <laughs> and if that ever happens it will be just be an accident okay and with that no, no, no. i'm just kidding <laughs> oh man sabbatical do you want to get away um <laughs> anything else that's all the slim pickens have a couple of howlin wolves Cool. As in, yeah. Can I say them? Yeah, go for it. So one was from our daughter Clara. A couple, I guess, last week we were telling her that she should listen to the podcast. She does listen to a lot of podcasts in ways that sometimes make me nervous. Like, what all is she listening to? I know. There, it's my fault. No, uh, it's on me just as much. But anyway, no, because there are podcasts I listen to. We, oh, okay. <laughs> to, so, so we mentioned to Clara that. We do have this email address, postsundayblues at gmail.com. And she said, oh, wait, can I write into that email address? And we said, yeah. And she said, you, will you read what I write? And we said, yeah. And she said, so you're saying that no matter what I write into the email, postsundayblues at gmail.com, you'll read it. And we were like, And I said, much. no. <laughs> and you said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Clara will ch- like she she's a loophole finder and she's a wild yeah. So what did she write? Three letters. S U P. Sup. Oh, so how are you? Doing good. Thanks, yeah. thanks for writing in, Clara. Love you so much. <laughs> so Clara- also, yeah, I I do love all my children, not just two of them. <laughs> nice callback the there. I, I like how you left people hand left people hanging, and then also a sermon related email came to me. To my personal email address, jimatliberty.org, I I won't say who it is, but Jim, I wanted to say that I think you were on to something today, and I was very glad to hear it. I'm excited to learn about how to press out missionally. He says, I personally feel like we all need to be challenged to share our beliefs if we do not care about others around us at all, question mark. Anyways, felt like I should say way to go, and I feel the, the same way about looking more outward myself. Thanks, and enjoy the short sabbatical. Thank you, my friend, and I will. (laughs) 
I don't know why I'm laughing. I'm laughing because I, yeah, I don't, I don't particularly want to hear that I need to re- be like extend out and be more of a reach out more to the outsider. Right. I just didn't want to hear it. <laughs> you made me hear it and then talk about it. Yes. It's really annoying. <laughs> Here's somebody writing in and complimenting it. So oh, no. it's so annoying. So annoying. Very annoying. One other shout out, um, and then this is all that I have. Sunday was a long day. I I preached, had a really fun time with the new members class. But that's it's hard a lot to of schedule talking. meetings around the World Series, like around playoffs when playoffs, the playoffs getting less sleep. weren't weren't you weren't anticipating the playoffs right. happening. Yeah, we apologize. We 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 did say at the in covenant class, we are very intentional when we have in covenant classes in the fall. We have the Eagles calendar out in front of us, and we make sure that we don't schedule anything, including and especially an in-covenant class during Eagles games. But I went on to say, we it did not occur to us to did not cross their minds. Philly's playoff schedule <laughs> not even possible <laughs> to, to try to work around. Yeah, so that that was totally off the radar. Recorded a fun podcast with Kelly Dalrymple at the beginning of Sunday as it will relate to the Friendsgiving that we'll have at Liberty Collingswood in November. And then Sunday evening, we recorded the first video podcast ever in the history of Liberty Church Collingswood. So I don't think it'll be coming on the podcast feed this Friday. So we're keeping to that every other week schedule for Five Golden Things. We're up for a release this week. I think it's primarily going to be on YouTube this time around, and it will be related to Halloween. I'm I'm not sure if it'll make it in there, but I do something inappropriate with all the time. A skull. Oh no, Clara, don't not watch. That, Clara, don't I watch mean, it. Come on, Clara, no. It's PG. <laughs> and with that, how was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more Post-Sunday Blues. Here comes some pre-Sunday happy. I have a... Before I forget, I have a sermon permission question to ask uh, for, for uh-huh. this week. Um, uh, it's about uh, the importance of circumcision and baptism. Uh-huh. Um,